0: Hey, everybody, what's going on? I hope everybody is safe and keeping safe in these crazy times. Uh, I haven't done a podcast in a long time with probably nobody cares. because I don't think anybody even listens to this, which is fine, but I'm paying for the podcast. I might as well use it. It's stupid not to. Uh, Considering The Last Dance, this new Chicago Bulls slash Michael Jordan documentary just came out this week, I thought it would be really fun to talk about it with my brother, Steve. For those of you who don't know who Steve is, he's he was, he was born in Minnesota, but we were, we were raised in Edmonton. And he is, obviously there's a bias here because he's my brother. But without blowing any smoke, Steve is kind of a basketball legend here. He is the all-time leader in NCAA three-point shooting percentage. That's, that's a real thing. Steve is very legit. He had a 10-year professional career. And it was a very good career, too. I saw him playing in Switzerland once. He had like 35 points. I, he's, he's always been the guy that was my main, I guess you say, inspiration with basketball. He, he is very legitimate. He's, he's playing on Team Canada's 3x3 team now, and next year, since it's been postponed for a year, he's going to be making a push to be playing in the Olympics. So Steve is about as legitimate as they come, and I don't know if I've ever met somebody who works as hard at what they love than Steve. I've I've had a front row seat since I was a little kid and I'd go over to our Otwell Junior High to shoot with him. And even as a teenager, Steve, um, his work ethic was just insane. He was doing drills and things that college students and college athletes wouldn't be doing because they wouldn't have the work ethic or B, they wouldn't be able to. So Steve is somebody I obviously love talking about basketball with and i, I think it's important to know because obviously like it's supposed to be like a comedy podcast and i'm a comedian this that and the other but i love basketball i i i come from very much a basketball family and i just talked about steve my dad is a hall of famer at his college he played professionally one of my other brothers he's more into music but he played basketball he's actually quite good he's got a very good jump shot my other brother sam we played college with each other with each other and high school with each other And he's a very very good player too I myself, just because I feel people need to know, uh I I wasn't much of a player in like high school and stuff. I think sometimes people think that's fake modesty on my part. It's really not. Like I, I was like a city all-star and stuff, but all I did was shoot threes. I was lazy, I didn't play any defense. I was a bum. I wasn't that good. I could fill it up a little bit when my shot was on, but if it wasn't, I was pretty useless. It really wasn't until college that I really respected the game and started knowing how to compete a little bit better. In my last few years at college, I was quite good. I was an All-Canadian and uh, All-Conference, and yeah, I, I was a good player. And Steve was obviously at a much, much higher level than me. And it's a funny thing where even with a guy like Steve, I think he's still somehow underrated, even in Edmonton circles. Like Steve went so far and beyond just Edmonton or Minneapolis, where he also played a little bit of high school basketball, or St. Paul rather, sorry. Um, But still, because he's not flashy or anything like that, it's easy to kind of look over him. But uh, I don't know. All I'll say is if if, if anybody wants to disagree with that or come play two-on-two with Steve and I, we'll bust your ass. So just send me your address. We'll come find you. We talk about the the documentary here. I don't want to be too long on this. If you haven't seen The Last Dance, you have to watch it. Whether you are a huge basketball fan or not, I think you can appreciate it. But especially if you're really into basketball you're gonna love it and so this is just a basketball podcast we're gonna be doing this for the next five weeks while it's coming on out we might have some little bonus episodes with other basketball related things hope you guys enjoy it here is me talking with my brother steve about the last dance one of the most motivational documentaries i've seen in a long time so there's no better way to get started than with some really motivational inspirational 80s inspired rocky four kind of music i came up with all right here we go Maybe that's the way to start. I'm having a hard time pretending this is like the Steve. Thanks for doing this as you're my brother. But yeah, thank you very much for doing this, Stevo.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Um so yeah, we are we are here to talk about the last dance. Lots to talk about. I think where we should start is <clears throat> what kind of memories this documentary brings back is how many times did you watch it? Do you watch it once or did you watch it twice? I watched it for the second time last night. Did that give you a different feeling? Um, Did it bring back any other kind of memories or just feelings and vibes from being younger or just let's just give me your overall uh, (laughs) feel from watching the documentary. Well, the mistake
1: I made last night was I watched it at
0: 10. Um, So you're just fired up.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the problem with that is is all of this makes you feel like you're 12 years old again. And yes. you want to, like, jump up off the couch and just go do something, even though it's 1030 and the kids are in bed and there's uh, really nothing that you can go do. So you're trying to lay down and go to sleep and the Alan Parsons song is playing in your head, oh. or, you know, and, and then... You know what time is it game time, and you're trying to like wind down for the night. It's it's just not a possibility. So for me, that that's been one of the interesting things about how this is uh, triggering so many memories of growing up and yeah. and uh, really making you feel like you're you're back on your parents' floor watching the Bulls play the Knicks on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. It's just it's uh it, it's it's a lot of emotion to be watching this this and I kind of anticipated
0: it but there are parts of it where it, it's it's more than I than I thought it would actually be. Me too. I don't know if I was uh almost like ready for how much nostalgia it brought back because we were talking about this in person. I feel there was a lot on the line with this because this embodies our childhood so much so if it was done poorly that would be really upsetting and i knew it would be cool i knew it would be good but the amount of times i got like even at nothing emotional just choked up and chills from virtually nothing and i've never since since we were kids i haven't vividly been taken back to that So clearly, being in the basement, watching NBA on NBC, and then so badly wanting to go outside in the alley and try Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan layups. We are going up and under, and I'm jumping like a quarter of an inch as this little fatso kid, but still just wanting to do that. And uh, I I think people, especially in Canada, like I'm sure more American uh, people and families we know can relate to it a bit more, but I don't think people – know how important Michael Jordan really is to basketball. Like our basement in your room was just Michael Jordan posters. We had the wings poster in our basement over the TV. And this is such a big deal. And it's really cool to see obviously people like us who are more like lifetime basketball people, but also the kind of casual fan or just getting into it fans. It's really striking a chord with them too. But you're, you're right. The, the amount of uh, memories just flooding back to me was really intense. How many
1: times do you think Michael Jordan at the very beginning of the documentary, he says, my name is Michael Jordan. I played for the bulls for I know. how many times do you think Michael Jordan's had to do that since he became Michael Jordan, where you have to sit down and say, yeah. all right, introduce yourself and list your accomplishments. And it's like, well, if you're sitting with me, then the odds are, you know, every single know. thing that I've done because my life's <laughs> been microanalyzed as far as yeah. accomplishments go. But what I found so interesting with, with that is there are a lot of people that don't know who Michael Jordan like. They know who he is. They know that a lot of people say he's this amazing basketball player from an era yep. that's gone. And if you put LeBron next to him, you know, he'd be do this or that. Okay. But it is an interesting thing to watch because for our entire life, Michael Jordan has been Michael Jordan. There, yep, exactly. there was a time when we were very young that he hadn't won a championship yet that he hadn't been like the top alpha dog. Magic was still in the league. Bird was still in the league. Isaiah Thomas had just won two titles. So we weren't old enough to probably fully appreciate what he went from, from being the high-scoring guard on a team that wasn't getting it done to the guy that never lost when he went to the finals. But for a younger generation coming in to watch this, this is going to be very new on a lot of different levels for them of I didn't realize he was as good as that. And I, I didn't realize he was as revered by his peers as that. Or yeah. I didn't realize he was, like, incredibly nuts when it came to, <laughs> when it came to competing because we get the real – I don't know. We get the real polished version of things now with, with yeah. social media and with players controlling – their image more than players were able to control it back then. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's always been the thing with Jordan. It's just like, there's a reason he's successful. He's maniacally competitive. And he, everybody who follows him knows that he's about as good as it gets. So um, that'll be the interesting part of this, is how people walk away from it
0: and say, I didn't know that stuff about Michael. Yeah, because I don't even think it's just... uh say casual fans, I think even younger basketball players, you even see guys in the NBA. Like I think Trey Young yeah. tweeted essentially like, man, I didn't even know MJ was this good. And like, you're an idiot then. What do you mean? You don't know MJ's this good. And obviously he's not, he's, he's a kid, which is insane that I'm like 15 years older than this guy who's making like 10 million a year. But anyways, point being, I, I think this is definitely going to give context to yeah. how good, Michael Jordan really was Um, and I had a a handful of people just friends texting me and saying like oh man I had no idea this is giving me appreciation for MJ and and it's cool to hear but it also is just that weird part of me that's just kind of like how the hell could you not have known that and this is I don't really want to get into this too hard because I was going to jokingly ask you does this cement LeBron as the better player just to see what kind of reaction that would get out of you but I can't even bring myself to do it because for the most part, I think that's an interesting conversation and kind of can be a fun debate. But I also think it's dumb when you start getting into the definitive realm of this is why factually so-and-so is. But like, it, let's just appreciate LeBron for how good he is. And there's no way we can ever prove it. So let's not waste so much time. But I will say it bothers me when people definitively are like, oh, LeBron's a better player. And now they're like, oh, I don't even know MJ was this good. Like, Yeah, like what, what was has- this based on you saying yeah. this? You're so factual and it's it's based on not knowing. Whether it's basketball or whatever it is, nothing drives me more insane than when people have such strong convictions and they don't know what they're talking about. That just drives me up the fucking wall. And uh, again, I think we just need to uh, appreciate LeBron for how good he is. I myself think, yeah, I think MJ is all – Time better, but that's just some schmuck sitting in a basement in Edmonton saying that, so it doesn't really matter. But I will say this: here's some arguments I've heard as to why LeBron might be better, and these I just have to say because they annoy me. People have said like, "Well, yeah, but the East was easy." No, it wasn't. Like Indiana was really good with Reggie Miller. The Knicks with Ewing were really good. He had to go through Detroit. He also, like you said, in the start of his career, he had Magic and Larry. It. And then he had to go through teams in the West because another argument I've heard is like they never had got more than two All-Stars in the finals. That's because the NBA was completely different. And some of the all-time great players you think that don't have championships are like Barkley, Stockton, Malone. That's because of Michael Jordan. <clears throat> so he wasn't playing against slouches. And if you want to directly compare that to LeBron, his cakewalk of the Eastern Conference, even though he went to the finals like 65 years in a row, he never played anybody till the final. So I think that's such a dumb, lazy argument again from people who don't actually or didn't actually watch or really know the context, then just coming out with a hot take of like, oh LeBron was better and Kobe's probably second best all time. It's like, shut the fuck up and read a book about basketball. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think what you're hitting
1: on though is is you you, you try not to to get too frustrated with younger guys Totally. because if that was your business, you business would be booming but at the same time <laughs> I think uh, you're always going to be biased to the era that you're involved in um, yeah. when we were growing up you know wow, well, no, there's no way that Jordan's better than Magic and there's no way that Jordan's better than Bird that was things that were being said until Jordan started to like overwhelmingly win that argument where it was like well, he's won like three titles in a row, or he's won his first of their second three-peat cycle, he's probably better. So people started to relinquish because they were seeing in front of their eyes a player that was just overwhelmingly good, whether you wanted the Bulls to win or not. You had to acknowledge that Jordan was overwhelmingly the best. Um, I think a lot of it just stems from how the game has changed. LeBron gave rise to the super team. So, of course, when you play in the finals and there's more than two All-Stars, well, because, well, that's the way that it is now in the NBA and that superstars want to play with other superstars. It's unheard of at the time if Michael Jordan would have left the Bulls and went to play for the Knicks because he wanted to play with his right. body. We wanted to play with Charles Oakley again. He wanted to play with Ewing. And they said that in the first part where they were like, he wouldn't have done that when the only option that he had was to retire from basketball or to go to another team and one, be underpaid, two, he, and he would have have to play for another coach just to chase another title. He wouldn't have done that. It wasn't part of his personality. Yeah. And then two, it wasn't the way the league operated back then. It just yeah. was not the way it happened. When Pippen went to the Rockets after the Bulls were done, people were so pissed because it was yeah. like – well, why would you do this? Now, if you did yeah. it, nobody would care. It's just a normal yeah. thing. So I think from that end of it, the landscape is so much different for, for a young fan to watch and, and be able to relate to this of like, why didn't he just keep playing if he was the best player in the world? Why did he yeah. stop? It's yeah. like, well, he wanted he stopped because he had kind of been backed into a corner right. of, I've said I won't play for anyone but Phil. The Bulls were saying, "Well, we're not bringing Phil back. So, what does that thing? What do you think that means?" And now, all of a sudden, you basically figured out a way to remove the best player ever from the NBA. Um, Crazy. From that end of it, if anyone sits down and says definitively that like LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan without knowing anything about Michael Jordan, yeah. then you're really fucking stupid. Like, there's just. This- exactly. You know, what's the point of having an argument with a guy who's never actually watched yeah. or looked over anything about Jordan's career? Totally. And from that end of it, I think for this, if you can't take away much else from this Jordan documentary, and it's only two parts in, this is going to get tougher on people. That's the other thing. When this yeah. starts to get into the belly of what Michael Jordan and the Bulls were like, yeah. and if you're still not hearing it, then there's no saving you. But at the same time- right. I think for anyone, when we start to get into this, this isn't ha- necessarily have to be like, well, does this show that like Jordan's the better player? It's not really about that. You no. can just hope that people can appreciate why when someone like myself or someone like you says, Michael Jordan is my favorite basketball player of all time. And I think he's the greatest player to ever play. Yeah. You can cite this documentary to say, that's why I believe it. Yeah, It's exactly. not because of a biased personal opinion of mine. It's because the guy was the man, and if someone says, well, I don't believe that, cool, man. No one's saying LeBron ain't great, Yeah, but this is why I believe it, and you'd hope that younger guys who aren't as familiar with Jordan can watch it and say, okay, Okay. I can at least
0: get that. No, totally. I think that's pretty perfectly put because you're right. The point of all this isn't to prove Jordan's... The best, I think, just naturally, we're gonna come to that debate of Jordan or LeBron because a, sure. we're so bored with sports right now that we'd be doing this regardless. But saying that I think MJ is better than LeBron is not a slight at LeBron in the any kind of way. There is nothing diminishing about LeBron to say that Michael Jordan is better than him. It, it can be interesting, but you're right. At the end of the day, I think the point should just be no. Who you're comparing LeBron to before you give a definitive? He's the GOAT. That's just dumb, and that's just common sense. Um, yeah, like you're
1: not comparing LeBron James. Like, are you saying, well, is LeBron James the greatest player of all time, or is Richard Jefferson the greatest player of yeah, all time? It's exactly. like, well, we're not having that discussion. No, is LeBron James the greatest player of all time, or is I don't know, Catino Mobley the greatest? Yeah. Player of all time? <laughs> no, it's we're not having that discussion. It's it's you're comparing him to Michael Jordan. He's the Jumpman logo that everybody wears on their shoes and on their man. you know, jerseys. And like when guys are sponsored by – this is the funny thing. When you see – and even young guys get this. When you turn on TV and you see a college team that has the Jumpman logo right there, you go, holy shit, man. I didn't realize they were yeah. sponsored by Jordan. Like, oh, I know. When you're North Carolina and you have a Jumpman or when you're Cincinnati and you're jump Jumpman, people go like, oh. That has credibility. Like, hold on a sec. They're not Nike. They're like, yeah. in. they're not in first class. They're in like gold first class. Exactly. So well, like, like, look
0: at Luka Doncic. Like, yeah. you can have detractors. He signs with Jordan. It's like, okay, clearly this kid is as yeah. real as it humanly yeah. gets. because of that. He signs with Nike. That's unbelievable. Look at all the athletes signed with Nike. Some of the yeah. best in the world. That's not, that's not Jordan though, man. So that Ron is, yeah, He's the exactly. Best.
1: But he's a in of itself. But like oh. when someone says like, oh, man, I heard Zion Williamson is going to sign with Jordan. You're like, oh, <laughs> this kid is, oh. I didn't realize it, it was, it was legit. this legit. It was this Damn, legit man. that he's going to be wearing the jump mat. It, it's just it's different in a way that like Michael Jordan, they pointed it out at the beginning of the documentary. There's Babe Ruth, there's Muhammad Ali, and there's Michael Jordan. That's you're it. talking about icon- – and it's not just like great players because there's been players. Oh. Like when someone, when someone has a stupid enough – Chip on their shoulder and be like, well, do you think that Babe Ruth could have hit? No, man, of course he couldn't. That's not the point. You're talking about icons. You're talking about Andre the Giant type of stuff. Yeah, man. Bigger than the sport. And the reason that they are like that is because of what they did, but then the other things that come into it that are so hard to encapsulate and are so hard to do like – You know, first take in the morning on ESPN, like hot five on of like, let me rip this apart. You can't do it because you're not going to do it justice. Those are the only guys that are in those categories. And whether you're smart enough or at least confident enough to say, okay, I get that. Cool. If you're not, then whatever.
0: Like, just probably not not a
1: conversation for you.
0: I agree. I think. I think that you you need to understand the historical context of every iconic athlete or player that you're talking about because guys like MJ, and this needs to be appreciated, really paved the way for all the players now in terms of knowing their worth as a brand and as their own kind of business. And then you need to even go further back because if it wasn't for guys like Bill Russell and guys like that paving the way for the era that led to, I know it's much later, but like magic and bird and stuff who paved the way for bird. Yes. You can make the whole argument of like, Oh, but they were so much slower and the uh, the defense wasn't as good. Like that's not the talk we're having right now. You need to understand the historical context and to appreciate like, yes, if you dropped pistol Pete into a game right now and he's wearing wool socks and chucks, is he going to have 57 points? No, but you need to have context. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think it's good. I don't want to dwell too long on the the brawn comparison. I just think it is something you need to acknowledge. But more importantly, let's just... We can check back in on that in like a month. Oh, or like three hours probably. Yeah, next week when everybody's going on about how either MJ is the best of all time or Ray Allen is better than him. Um, Let me ask you this. What's up, Lila? Um, Did this... You, you knew everything. Like, there were no surprises in this for you, right? In terms of, like, the, the relationships with, like, Krause and the, the owner and whatnot?
1: Um, I knew, even when I was younger, uh, that there was something weird between Krause, Jordan, and Jackson. Um, it didn't make any sense then, because you had a hard time believing that whatever personal feelings were going on between people that it was like, well, you're winning. Why would, why would that ultimately be what is ending this? Because no way there's someone that that is that petty to break up the best team or the most successful team in the world right now. Right. Um, I didn't realize because we didn't have access to the players the way that we do now. I didn't realize the comments that Jordan was making to the media of saying, we have the right to defend this as long as we keep winning it. Yeah. So I didn't realize he was as on record as as he was yes. with that. Um, just because we, we didn't see press conferences back then, we didn't they didn't show it on you know we didn't have Twitter or anything like that. But everything else for the most part seemed to match up with it. The animosity that those guys had towards one another was was. Uh, was I was something that I didn't realize as so so deeply ingrained in the Bulls' culture at that point that it was what ultimately led to them saying, "You know what? Doesn't matter what happens. You win eighty two, you're still gone." Yeah. Um, that that's that was even. I mean, it made no sense then. It makes even less sense now.
0: It really does.
1: I, I, I just it's it, it's amazing to watch it play out on on video to see just how
0: narrow minded and and uh, petty some of this stuff was. It's crazy because I was like – the, honestly, the only championships I vividly remember are the ones against the Jazz because I was like 7 and 8 when that happened. Sure, yeah, yeah. But obviously I had no idea about like locker room drum or displeasure with the GM or anything like that. So I really liked how they uh, – I, I really appreciated learning something relatively new about a story I thought I understood um, very well. And and it sounds like there's all kinds of different sides. Like i read an interview with Tony Coach this morning and he was kind of saying how he wasn't throwing anyone on the bus, but he was kind of disappointed of how there's this iconic team. that's supposed to be the celebration. And immediately they have to go to the, the shitty side of this guy, hating that guy. And he, he had like such fond memories of Jerry Krause and how, when he recruited Tony Kukoc he was telling him, you got to come to the bulls. It was never anything like I made this team. It was like, we have this unbelievable coach. We have these unbelievable players. You're going to like it. But that said, I'd be pretty pissed if I watched a documentary and all it was was rainbows and sunshine and roses, and we just loved each other. Because then you'd be like, "Well, this isn't real, and this is more just like a promotional video for the Bulls franchise, and we're not actually getting a story here." So I think it's I think it's great that they're including all of that. Um, What were your favorite? Let Let's go one at a time, if you're cool. Your favorite three parts from the first two episodes.
1: Um, from the first episode, uh, I really loved, um, one, the ending was great because you saw the, the lead up to it. And then the, I mean, there's so many things with the bulls that were a part of why they were so iconic. And a big part of that was their introductions. Of, yes. Uh, the voice introducing them, you, know, you uh, know, North Carolina, six, six at guard, you know? So there's those things. The Alan Parsons project song was like, like people probably don't remember. There was the video that they played that was on like the, the jumbotron in, in the United center with it was the bull going through the, the city, the bulls running yeah. through the city. And then they would yeah. get to the United center. Other teams copied that. Like yeah. the Phoenix suns copied that where a sun would go through the grand Canyon <laughs> and then would arrive at uh, at whatever the arena was called at the time. but um, that was a big part of their culture and what made them so cool. the the what time is it game time? who like yeah. that was a big part of their, what made them cool? because nobody else did these things. No. So that was kind of neat just to see that play out. Um, I would say like for me, the second one is like it's an overarching thing. I love listening to Michael Jordan talk, like yes a big part of childhood was watching Michael Jordan's playground, Michael Jordan's, you know, legacy of greatness. Uh, There was all those things of, of Michael being interviewed talking about, you know, the really refined version of him as a competitor and his viewpoints on winning. So to hear him back on TV talking about things and how he was, what he was thinking was like a total treat. I think the, the biggest thing that I enjoyed my last one was when they talked to Roy Williams and Roy Williams has a great delivery to things. Like he's part of that yeah. era of college coaches that are leaving the game now that have this, like, you know, they have weird sayings for things and they, know. you know, they do the side handshake and they wink at you and they call, they call everybody a youngster or a young man. Like I loved hearing him say that Michael Jordan was a youngster. Yeah. That youngster got better every year. And it's like, who? I've never heard anybody call Michael Jordan a youngster. But he was the assistant coach calling him. And then when he said, Jordan said, I want to be the best player that ever played here. And he goes, you're going to have to work harder than you did in high school. And he so I worked harder than anybody else. He goes, excuse me. I thought you wanted to be the best player here. And then it was, the, I'm going to show you. And the close-up, they got right in Roy's face. I know. And he goes, I'm going to show you. I'm going to work. like I saw that. I rewound it like six times just to watch it because it's like, if that is an encapsulating of the beginning of Michael Jordan, where it was, he said it, he walked it, he did it. And it was just really the, the beginning of, of a guy that nobody projected to be the player that he was going to be. And the cultural icon that he was I don't know that that part really, really stood out for me as being, as being special.
0: That's great. I love you said that because I actually didn't even know Roy Williams was an assistant at North Carolina because I know he was at yeah. Kansas and then they lost the championship. Then he went back to North Carolina and I remember even thinking like, "What a dick!" But you know, then he has roots there. And you're like, yeah, obviously he went back. That's North yeah, Carolina. He's a Carolina guy. Yeah. I, I I'll choose a different one, but I cannot stress enough to you how hard it hit me with the Alan Parsons Project, series and what time is it? Game time because. I was trying to explain that to people who didn't play basketball of how important that song and that little cheer honestly is like when you're a little kid and you're this little wiener whose voice is cracking and uh, you're trying to get your like mini boys team, like let's do that too. And you're all just sound like such little weens. but it was so cool. And it's such an iconic thing that goes hand in hand with basketball. You get teams. Everyone wants serious by Alan Parsons project to be the introduction song. And you want to say, what time is it game time? Ooh, and I specifically said to my wife when we were watching it, I was like, I really hope that they include this in some way. And I think, honestly, man, so much credit to the editor because you could not have used that in a better way. The songs building up. They say, what time is it game time? Ooh, as soon as they say, ooh, there's a symbol and it goes to the credits. I had chills for like 20 minutes. And I kept rewatching, it. Every time I did, I was like, oh, fuck. That is just (laughs) insane. It blew me away. I love that so much. Um, Something different that I really, really liked. It's kind of a few things, but it's just the era. Be that how hilarious the outfits are, that these guys' suits are like the shoulder pads are out like four feet. Jordan's got a beret everywhere he goes. Just looks so funny. All of the... uh, the cutoff T-shirts were again, the shoulders. Cause now guys were like, Way they cut over it. the shoulders. Oh, it's hilarious. And, and they look good, man. Those guys are so yoked up. I um, But everything exactly. with the era, like the era in terms of, you, you don't see this now. You don't see any all-star really, but let alone superstar to the extent of um, Michael Jordan going to bat that hard for his coach saying, I only want to play here. It fills here. Cause now everyone tiptoes around every question, where it'll be like, what do you think? Do you want so-and-so to be coaching next year? He's like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, you can see what happens. I'm just taking it day by day. and like, oh, shut up. Just say something for once in your life. So I thought that was super cool. And also, I, I'm sure there was more of this in the media, but when the Bulls got off to their 4-4 four four start, they had that little media clip where they're like, you know, only eight games in, can't panic, but they should be doing better. And I was thinking like, goddamn, how nice would that be to watch a – a basketball pundit shown here that kind of take. Because can you imagine now if that's on the jump or first take, or you got that loser guy who used to work with Colin Coward talking about how this is the apocalypse? Right. Oh, I hate that guy so know, much. I I, he sucks. But can you imagine the frenzy and just the stupid hot takes and all the YouTube clips oh, with the face terrible. of the face be of Jalen Rose looking all angry and are oh, the Bulls the worst team ever? So that was super cool. I honestly I, so I guess that was a really long winded of saying the nostalgia for me and appreciation for that era where I think guys took a little bit more pride in just like the craft of basketball and the appreciation and respect of the game itself before everyone just became a brand. And that was first and foremost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made any sense. That was probably no, it did. I, think that-
1: I mean, I, I couldn't imagine now if you teleported that team to right now having to listen to like, and I don't listen to these guys anyway, but then having to see like a clip on Twitter or something like that and be like, Hey guys, it's time to trade Jordan. I'm just going to throw it out there. And it's like, <laughs> you know, like all these stupid hot takes for the, for the sake of, of, of doing them or, you know, going in there and saying like, you know, Phil Jackson's overrated or, yep. you know, something like that. It, it's, it's, it's refreshing to look at that and go, okay, they got off to a four or four start for sure. The players were pissed. For sure, Phil Jackson was pissed. For sure, local media, like I'm sure the Chicago Tribune or other national media were picking it up in papers, but you didn't have, you know, Joe Jerkoff sitting on the couch and tweeting, you know, I think think Michael Jordan is not as good a player as Jason Kidd. On the sun, hey, hey, and it's you, you know, like you don't have to deal with something like reading that and going like, what is this guy even yeah. thinking? So, from that end of it, 100. percent, I think nostalgia for an era that is so, so, so much a part of our past. Of you just don't have this Twitterverse that takes something in, completely rips it apart, and it comes out the other end. Like not unrecognizable. So yeah, not having that is is nice. You, looking back on that era, like I didn't know some of that stuff. I I didn't remember that the Bulls got off to a four and four start. I mean that's incredible right. because they won seventy two games. So they they got off to a four and four start and they lost six games the rest of the year. <laughs> like that's, re- that's that's
0: so ins- stupid.
1: Yeah, that's that's insane. That's, that's unbelievable. Four and four start and then I'm really bad at math, but like. That's sixty-eight and six the rest of the way. Am I wrong?
0: No, that sounds right to me. I'm terrible a mess. I'm not going to bother trying to compute that. But whatever the hell it is, that's insane. How do you start at five hundred almost ten games in, and you lose you meant, six you more? games? That's insane. Okay. What other what other moments popped out to you? Do you have any other specifics?
1: Um, you can understand. Uh, why scotty pippen did what he did mm-hmm. with the contract because they they did a good job of showing it like hey this guy came from a family where there yeah. was a lot of need there was a lot of uh, a lot of need for security i think with a guy like him because you have so many siblings you have a father that um is in a wheelchair you have a brother that's in a wheelchair yeah. so there's, there's extra needs yeah. um This was also an era right before the NBA just completely blew up. And there was no accounting for the amount of money that was all of a sudden going to start being exchanged between players and uh, and management. So when you saw that and you're reminded of it and you get outraged, like, how can he be that underpaid? Yeah, but coming where he came from, you could understand why it happened. What stood out to me about why it was wrong Is I didn't believe for one second, like when Reinsdorf said that, like, I told him not to sign the deal. Bullshit, you did. Yeah, there's
0: no way a businessman says that.
1: There's no way that a guy in his position wasn't looking at it from a perspective of, like, you know, this probably isn't a great deal for the player, but we are going to get him super cheap. And if he winds up being awfully good, he's still going to be cheap. Exactly. If you were really invested in the idea of like, we want to make sure that we're paying market value, then put something in there that says like, hey, man, in three, four years, we can renegotiate. Yeah, exactly. We can we've locked like you that. up. Yeah, yeah, we've
0: locked you up for long term. But if and when we need to, yeah, let, let's renegotiate. I agree. and And also, I read some stuff. I was just all over the Internet reading everything I could about all of this after on Monday when I watched it. And I, I don't even really know the specifics, but I think there's more to the story, too, in terms of, I guess, Scotty got some kind of shitty advice from his agent. Yeah. Um. And, you know, he's a, he's a kid, too, who, who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. If you have an agent tell you, sign the deal, you're, you're probably going to sign it. Um. And this is way, way before basketball players knowing, again, their worth. And like you said, the, the money coming in hadn't exploded yet. So it, it was an interesting thing where there is, like, that kind of part of me that's like, man, Scotty, that's a dick move, but... At the same time, you're like, nah, man, I, I feel for this dude. He's an incredible player, and how can you not appreciate and respect when he says, like, I, I can't I can't risk getting hurt because I got family to take care of. And then you have that clip of his mom saying, like, I feel like he loves me, and I know I love him. I'm like, Let's, let, let the man do whatever the hell he wants. If he wants to wear puffy suits for the first three months, that's fine. And I also read some stuff, like Steve Kerr saying, pretty much Michael was the only guy in the bulls that was pissed about it. Everyone else got it. Everyone loves Scotty so much and respect him and really felt for him how horribly underpaid he was. So I'm like, yeah, if the guy's closest to him can let him slide, I'm pretty sure me sitting in my undies on the couch, watching it can let it slide too.
1: Yeah. I mean, for, for Scotty, you did what you had to do with probably the knowledge that he had at the time. And from yeah. the sounds of it, he got bad advice from an agent that screwed him on his rookie contract.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: and, it. You're you're doing your best to to at the time provide security. I have a long contract. This was also during an era in the NBA where you signed longer contracts. I mean, right now you sign two year deals. Yeah, now you sign three year deals because you want to give yourself the flexibility. Yeah, back then players had less assurances. It, it really, if anything, pointed out that the um, that the league has made such a shift from owners having all the power. And players not understanding um, just how much power they would have had to now when the players are like, if you give me a crap offer, I'm going to go somewhere else. Exactly. I'm going to go to a team where there's maybe a better player or I'm going to go to an in-conference rival. Um, teams also didn't have money the way that they do now where they stash stuff uh, in order to work in the salary cap of like, oh, maybe Scottie Pippen will just all of a sudden to leave the Bulls. And we have – 18 million to pay him, 20 million yeah. to pay him. Yeah. Um, similar with the Jordan thing when he when he left the Bulls at the end. So I think this is such a, a it shows just how primitive the NBA was at this time. Yeah and yeah, owners were probably owners were taking advantage of a guy like Scotty Pippen for sure. Because yeah. how else could you explain a deal like that getting signed? Um I would take issue when the last year of Scotty's deal when Phil Jackson said that Scotty was like, and this is one of the hard parts about Pippen because you don't want to shovel shit on him um, because he was great. He's the best second banana ever in sports, yeah. probably part of the best duo. And what was Scotty Pippen, the second best player in the NBA in 1997? Eh, I don't know. About yeah, that.
0: that's, that's debatable. I don't
1: know about that because he did, he did a variety of things, and he was awfully good. And when you watch those games, since a bunch of them have been on lately, yeah. you see him do these things where you're like, oh, yeah, he's amazing. yeah. But um, it, it maybe gets exaggerated a little bit. Uh, While well, he was the second-best player in the NBA, we were just basically cheating him. I don't know if it's like that, but he was definitely a top-five player. Yeah. Like a top-five player, worst-case scenario, top-seven player in the NBA – and there were guys that he was better than getting paid a lot more money.
0: Yeah, no, no, no it's, it's totally that's totally a valid point, because I like just personally, because I'm a contrarian and I can be such a douchebag with that. But I remember as a little kid, I loved Scotty and I didn't dislike Michael, but he was just so good. I was like, I don't want this guy to win. I'm tired of seeing this guy win. Give me Stockton and Malone. But I always loved Scotty. I thought he was the man. I loved the way he dunked. I would kind of palm. They did that thing in the 90s where they'd cradle the ball. They weren't palming it, but they like cradle it between their forearm and their hand. And Scotty did that so much. I thought it was so cool. So I think I did come in with a bias that they could be like, yeah, Scotty just came in and, you know, whatever, did the most despicable thing imaginable to Jerry Krause. And I'd be like, ah, oh, Scotty. But I-, I do think at the end of the day, whether he was the second best player, whether he was the seventh, whether he was the tenth. If he's the 122nd highest paid player in the NBA, I think, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot and you got to make your money, even if it's back then. So if Scotty kind of came across as a little bit diva-ish or whatever, I think you let it slide because the man, it's obviously the focal point is MJ or MJ as he calls him. I thought that was funny. Do you notice how he calls himself MJ, Michael? MJ. MJ. But he says you can't talk about Michael Jordan without Scotty. So I, 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 I am glad that Pippen's getting... So much it, recognition.
1: It did show how how interesting Phil Jackson was as a coach where they said, because it was believable, where they asked him, like, how did you feel about the Scotty thing? Were you mad about it? He just said, no. Yeah. Like, Scotty's on a different timeline. Um, I can under- You have to understand where players are coming from. You have to understand what they're doing. If there was ever a better example, at least early on in this documentary, of why Phil Jackson was able to maintain control or at least semblance of control. with a team that had Michael Jordan when he's pissed at everybody Dennis Rodman who no one will even probably understand now how much of a circus show that was Um, and you were able to make it work so when people do the whole thing it's like well it's Phil Jackson a great X's and O's coach you go back and watch the game and that triangle doesn't look very good you know a lot of what he was doing was a lot more than the tactics of the game because he was able to say hey our second best player bailed on the first start of this on the first three months of the season
0: yeah like
1: with spite like just said i'm not screwing up my summer i'm gonna wait all summer then have my surgery and i'll just get back into shape when the season starts and you guys have to accept that because you guys don't want me around here anyway yeah to have your coach be like yeah i get that i get that yeah it's pretty cool we just got we got to make it work and when you get back is it was really an incredible testament i thought to like wow jackson really did know how to like really understand I got to keep the ship going yeah. and I got to make the keep I got to keep the ship going
0: with the guys that I have not you know have some sort of blow up with the second best player on our team well and there's a reason you have Michael Jordan who even back then I'm sure he could have been super vocal about uh, if he wanted a coaching change could have done it but how vocal he was about only playing for Phil Jackson and the other players buying in. Like you just don't see that now. And I'm not, I'm not trying to do the whole glory days of the nineties is so much better. You just can't help, but appreciate seeing these grown men and the level of interest that even in their cheer, like forget how cool the, what time is it game time? They're all actually doing it. You don't see that now. It's kind of that lackadaisical. Everyone's looking off in different directions. The coach is talking to no one. They just flick their hands to signify they're going, or just walk on the court so that was very cool, and I think, obviously, Phil Jackson, whether the X and O's are, he's a master of that or whatnot, he obviously created this culture that led to them winning that many championships. So that that was pretty cool to get that, that look at Phil, and I'll say my last favorite thing on this, you mentioned it earlier, is just listening to Michael Jordan talk, but the way he was talking was my favorite thing, because we talked about this before the podcast, but we we had all the mike the mj documentaries and listening to him talk about in the third person and talking about the game of basketball cuz he he never calls it basketball it's always the game of basketball yeah. which i love um but it, it was the polished manufactured thing whereas mm-hmm. this i love seeing michael jordan with a giant glass of scotch that goes up and down throughout the whole thing and he's mm-hmm. saying fuck and he doesn't and and he's he's just being honest about yeah. things i had i literally had never seen that mm-hmm. um and, and that was just so eye opening and so fucking cool to watch that 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 really really stood out not just that we're seeing him talk but the way in which he was doing it um I loved it I thought it was so cool
1: for me the highlight of the second of the second uh, episode was him talking about uh, maintaining dominance over your opponent oh, it's a very man. quick it's a very quick snippet but and it's also like ex- excellent camera work because he's talking about basically stepping on someone's throat and never letting them up, and then yeah. they cut to him like looking at Phil Jackson with this kind of like maniacal stare,
0: yeah.
1: and you're just like, man, whoever cut, whoever made that cut, yeah, really encapsulated it perfectly because when he starts talking about how you just do not give your opponent a chance to believe that they will win and how the more you dominate them, the less belief they have in their chances and of themselves. You hear him speaking about it. It's just like, boy, if someone's watching this and not believing every single fucking word, this guy is saying, yeah, And yeah. you're not paying attention because we've talked about this before. And this is a, this has been one of the things that a lot of people have been talking about this, about this doc so far is it is such a, um, a cookie cutter kind of just dish soap thing. It's just so over the counter now for players when they're just like, just want to win. You're not going yeah. to do that. And you no. never, you don't play that way. I want to win, but I want to win on my terms. Same. I want to make sure that I'm the superstar. I want to still shoot 25 shots yeah. and I don't want to play a whole heck yeah. of a lot of D and all that stuff. Whereas with Michael, you could see in the first part where they talk about the minutes restriction um and he's not allowed to play he's only allowed to play seven minutes a game, and he's losing his mind on the bench. But then when Paxson hits the winner, he's shooting off the bench, giving everybody yes. five, going
0: nuts. Exactly.
1: And you can see like a genuine enthusiasm for like we did it, we won. I won. Yeah. And he couldn't be at the forefront of it because you can clearly tell his definition of winning means if we're gonna win, I have to be playing because that yeah. gives us the best chance to win. But he he won, and there was a real enthusiasm, as opposed to when you have seen in the past with NBA guys where, or other sports too, where they're not on the floor or on the field at the last play, yeah. and the team wins, and the guy's kind of like, yeah, you yeah, know, he's I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm pouting a bit. So I thought that was cool because now you're starting, I think, to really get to the heart of it, of like, okay, why is Michael Jordan different? Yeah, and why does everyone hold him in such revere that watched him play? That right there is beginning okay. to peel it back of because the guy walked every bit that he talked and it was not, uh, I really want to win, but I just don't feel like winning tonight. Exactly. It's not working for me, so I'm not going to do it tonight. Michael Jordan had bad games. Like, that's the thing. He would still shoot, have poor shooting games, but it didn't change how the guy went at you. So I really enjoyed that part too. His obsession with winning and how if he yeah. can't win and you know attack it the way he feels he needs to attack it how he says it it just drives him nuts
0: yeah man and, I love and, it. and his I love his it. appreciation and respect for the game again is I think what's what's think so, so tough to not feel a little bit of bias not to go too hard on the LeBron comparison again but it, again it's contextually different um today's league is is a lot different than then and that needs to be understood and appreciated but Yeah, they're talking about that dude going to France without Rodman, without Pippen. These games mean nothing, and still he's putting on a show because he doesn't want to be the guy that uh, people paid all this money to go see, and he has 12 points. He's not going to let that happen. He needs to win, and he needs to do it as hard, working as hard as he can. And I I just – how can you not really appreciate a guy where – it's it's so different now. You you get these these kids who are like Instagram famous by the time they're fourteen and are kind of just these prodigies. And it's it's been said before they're even in college that they're going to be an NBA superstar. That wasn't that wasn't MJ. That wasn't Pippin. these guys just loved the game, busted their asses at it, and really respected it. So it's tough not to feel that kind of bias towards. I definitely prefer those dudes in yeah. that era. Do you know, what, speaking NBA. of when he talks, go ahead, go ahead. sorry.
1: No, oh, no, and felt and felt failure. Like that's the other thing they yes. they pointed out that that Scotty and Michael uh, specifically, with them being the focus of of uh, the first two, is they felt large amounts of failure at times where it's hard not to. And I know a lot of people have done everyone else the favor and been like, "Oh, kids today would have transferred." And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't have to say it, but I did think it. Where you yeah. were looking at it and be like, "Man, if a kid got cut in tenth grade." Yeah. That was supposed to be a good up and coming basketball player. Yeah. And mom and dad weren't in the coach's office the next day, ripping them a new one or sending some obnoxious email or something like that as opposed to Jordan's mom saying, like, well you yeah. better work your butt off this summer. Yeah. And he does. And he does. And it okay, it helps that he grows like four inches, like yeah, Scotty cool. Pippen's six nine instead of six one and after like two weeks. But <laughs> you know, like something weird like that. But the guy goes to central Arkansas as the equipment manager. Like oh my what a huge, what a huge, and for Jordan too, they said when he first came to North Carolina, really inconsistent, but very competitive. So yep. he started to improve. Same with Pippin. came there eating a ton of humble pie. How many guys. And cause I, I would look at myself and ask the same question. Could I have gone to a school as the equipment manager with a hope against hope that I might make the team when I yeah. thought I was going to be in the NBA? yeah so i mean you you look at these things where it's like well no wonder these guys are the fighters they are because they've got something plunked down right in front of them that says you can't do it and their whole choice was well then i gotta like bust through it or climb over it or find my way around it and they found their way around it so i mean shit when you get into the whole thing of Why do people love Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen as much as they do? Well, they just sit down and listen to what they had to go through to to, to get to the point that they were at. Scottie Pippen was drafted. They call him Scott Pippen. So it wasn't like this guy was a made brand when he first came into the NBA. Oh. You know, like, who the hell is Scott Pippen? So they say those types of things. These guys were like everybody else. They were young players who were fighting like crazy to reach a level that was their dream to make. It wasn't... A foregone conclusion when they were 15 and everyone had to kowtow and just make sure they stayed happy so that they could keep kissing the ring when they got into the league. It's a yeah. very, very different thing. And it's totally. – yeah, it, it's, it's very interesting to watch it play out because it's so different than no. It's just so
0: different than now. And I think – for anyone who's listening, especially uh, Canadian people who might not know when they talk about Scotty Pippen playing at an NAI school or not even playing, being an equipment manager at an <clears throat> NAI school and then being becoming what he became, that's incredible because you have NCAA and Div 1 and then Div 2. And I know like Div 3 and NAI like can fluctuate d- depending where it is and sure. stuff. And there are probably some NAI teams that are better than some Div 2 teams. But that is not like he went to this big school like in North Carolina – that is so much adversity to go through with his family situation, with his playing situation, at the school situation. It, it, it's just – especially for a guy like me, in my bites. Like I played in a small conference. It's tough to not just revere the shit out of a dude like Scottie Pippen. And, and you're right. It, it's like the – it's like the theoretical cheesy thing you'd hope parents would say to kids and I'm sure has been said to me as a kid and it just immediately went out the other, like, you didn't get your way, work harder. And it's like, ah, shut the fuck up. That's not how the world works. But then you see with Pippen and MJ, are like, oh no, that actually is exactly how the world works. And he's still Michael Jordan. Like, not just anybody can go bust their ass for a summer and that's not to be like, yeah, you'll go to North Carolina too. No, you still have to be blessed like he was. Um, but that was... That 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 was pretty like just endearing and uh, mm-hmm. tough not to appreciate. Is there a part of you at all? Because I, I feel this to a certain degree, not much, but a little bit. Are you at all nervous with the creative control Jordan had that it might not tell the full story of say like his lunacy? I'll just use this example. I'm not comparing Dave Grohl at all to Michael Jordan, but there was the <laughs> Foo Fighters documentary where there were a bunch of stories, and we're reading between the lines. You're like. Is Dave Grohl kind of an asshole? Or he did this or that, and you're like, well, that was a dick move. But then everyone would just be like, oh, but it's Dave. And you're like, oh, yeah, it is Dave. That was a great reason to do that then. And so I like I, I don't want anybody, obviously, just unnecessarily shit on Michael Jordan. But is there any part of you that's like a little bit worried? Like, are we really going to get the full sense of how much of a lunatic, and at times just a dick, this guy was?
1: No, because... Um, I think in interviewing other people that are so removed from the situation at this point um, yeah. guys that don't have any interest invested in, in what Michael Jordan does or is doing um, they're only. I would hope that no because there's only going to be one chance to tell this story this way maybe in 20 years someone else will be like well actually and then there will be all this like doctored footage to do some like strange part three of this but yeah, I think if there's ever one player that I've been willing to give a pass to for like how he behaves with anything it's Michael Jordan so if he decides to like you know what that's just not making it in there cool must not have been good yep. footage so like I know that that's not fair because I would probably turn around and like rip somebody else for being like, "Well, he's just a coward; doesn't want to live up to what yeah. he did." But at the same time, I think from what everybody is saying so far, without getting into, and I have, I've stayed away from the spoilers on this stuff, a lot of people have said like, "This is a, this is as real as it's going to get that you're that's that the public's going to get about Michael Jordan." So that's good. I think at this stage with Jordan. Um, maybe it has something to do with just the era that we're in now where like everyone has to have all the information about athletes. They have to know yeah. what they're all about as people. They have to know um, everything about them and what makes them tick. And if you don't share that stuff, you get ripped apart anyway. Yeah,
0: you get exactly. judged
1: anyway. People make their minds up about you anyway. So you might as well tell the whole thing. Yep. And, you know, if everyone's so – lovey-dovey about this like really manufactured Mamba mentality stuff. That's the most like well done copycat version of anything because all of that's Michael, all of that's Jordan. And everybody loves this Mamba mentality stuff. Some of it's rooted in in the tragedy that happened recently, but um, it was a big deal and a growing brand before anything like that happened either. So yep. if you want to see what the authentic article was, well, look where it came from. So I think that there is some some viewpoint of that too, of like maybe there was a time when this would have come out and people would have been like, oh, I hate him. I can't stand how, yeah. <laughs> how awful and how rude he is. And now it's kind of like, well, if people are going to co-sign on all this other stuff of guys being maniacally competitive and being so tunnel-visioned on what they want, then why not go to like the – complete top of the mountain no one is is higher on that sort of level than jordan yeah so I, i'm not really worried about them jading or con, you know construing the 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 viewpoint of this kind of documentary but at the same time though uh, i think with 10 parts at an hour each they're going to probably touch on a lot of stuff and not all of it is going to be like wow he's he's an incredible guy
0: totally no, that's, that's really well said. I'm glad you said that. Because, I, yeah, there, there was a little bit of me, very little, that was just more so like I hope it's just as honest and forthright as possible. But at the same time, what I don't want it to get into, and I could see some people being like, oh, they didn't touch on this or that, is I don't want the conspiracy theories. And obviously they won't do that. I don't want to hear about how Michael Jordan's dad actually was probably killed because of a hit on it because of yeah. Michael's gambling problem or he didn't retire, he actually got suspended. Because again, like I, I'm not interested in hearing about any of that. And if that's what you're going into it hoping to hear about, just go on Reddit and hear some loser in Connecticut talking about how he knows everything, even though yeah. it's like, some 28-year-old plug. Um I would rather hear from like teammates say like, yeah, he'd get on you, but you understood it. And if, if they're saying it, I'm gonna take their word for it over Stephen A. Smith. Like, when Bill Wennington, who I still... I like Bill Wennington. What up, Blas? I still... Even when I was a kid, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. This guy who looks like he's 55 and just got, like, finished installing a new sink in their locker room or something, and then they decided, like, yeah, you might as well get a jersey. Uh, but but he was talking about, like, yeah, Michael was tough, but he, he it was no character assassination or anything either. So I, I think it'll be fair and about as real and fair a documentary as we could ever possibly hope for. What are you looking forward to? I guess uh, we're about at an hour so we don't go too long, but what are you looking forward to or hoping to see in the next episode?
1: Well, following the timeline, I'm really looking forward to the Pistons part because I feel like that's going to be an interesting part for people to see. Um, The NBA at that time for certain people has been overly romanticized of like, hey, if you drive to the basket, they're taking your head off. Not true. Yeah, There were still guys making layups. Like, they showed Jordan driving to the basket against the Milwaukee Bucks in those early clips, and yeah. he got fouled, and he landed on both feet, and he had everything working. Yeah. So, like, this whole idea of like, well, if you took Damian Lillard and put him back, then he goes to the rim. I'm just throwing him into the third row, and that's not even a foul. And it's like, that's not what basketball was. No. But the Pistons... What will be interesting about the Pistons is it was really rough and it was really over the line in a lot of ways during an era that was already pretty physical. So I think for everyone getting a chance to see that and just how difficult that was for Jordan and how much he had to evolve as a player um, with, the, with physical you know, strength and training and approach and how it didn't work out right away for him. Yeah. I think that's going to be a very interesting and compelling part of this because whatever you think about the Pistons, they were a really good basketball team that kind of gets forgotten in that era because they're sandwiched in between Magic and Larry and then the Michael Jordan phenomenon. And it's kind of like, okay, you're sandwiched in between like the best of any era transitioning to an even greater era in the NBA. Um, but it was a big challenge for Jordan. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to them diving further into uh, the Rodman stuff because when they brought him in, that was really strange because he flamed out so hard in San Antonio before he came to the Bulls. Right. And how he was like the greatest distraction of all time. So when it was brought in of like, well, if anyone can control him. It's Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan and the culture of the Bulls. So, like, kind of the New England Patriots Patriot way before the right. Patriot way. So, I'm really looking forward to getting to that because, like, if people want to talk about culture, which anybody who has a heartbeat is, like, dying to do in the world of sports. And if people want to talk about toughness and grit, I see a lot of pussies on the, uh, on the internet talking about grit. Oh, then it's God. like… Then watch the stuff for the Bulls and the Pistons from 88 to 91, where they beat the living hell out of him. And everyone's enamored with Jordan. He just hung like 63 on the Celtics, 49 on the Celtics. And the solution was let's beat the shit out of him. Yeah. What's the big deal? If he goes in the air, hit him. That was the Jordan rules. Like, if he goes in the air, just hit him. Don't let him shoot. So. I think it'll be an interesting thing for people to watch and be like, what the hell is this? And when we talk about like, Oh, I'm as tough as any of them. Okay. So it'll be, (laughs) it'll be, it'll be really compelling TV. I think for everyone to, to see like how this continues to evolve and how Michael Jordan didn't get his way right away. It was a lot of trial and test and, and, uh, and tribulation for him. How about yourself?
0: Um, yeah, everything you said, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. To see the piss stuff because I just loathe Bill Lampier so much. So I can't wait for somebody to inevitably shit on him. That's always yeah. a joy for me. Um, but a kind of more of an overlying, what I'm just really looking forward to actually is just as they keep diving into more of the characters on the Bulls. Like I'm really excited for people to learn a little bit more about Ron Harper and Tony Kukoc, uh, Luke Long, like th- th- those supporting cast guys who I think people don't know, especially Kukoc, man. That guy could. Fucking go! I'm really excited for people to uh, learn. What are you shaking your head, Steve? Shaking his head. You don't think Coach could go?
1: I do think I could go. I'm looking forward to the 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 part where they get into why Jordan and Pippen had kind of a little bit of a, of a hate on for Cookoach. Yes, Kukoc. totally. Because, I was just
0: reading about that today too. With the uh, with yeah. uh, because Kraus wanted him and they were playing against him in the Olympics and it was kind of affecting Scotty's contract. So they're like, we're just yeah, sure.
1: really and I mean, it was the shiny new toy thing and really before yeah. the the European stuff, the influx of the European basketball came into the NBA um, with draws and coming in and, and being good, yeah. and like not, like not set the world on fire good, and then right. Kukoc was coming over and everyone was like, this is the European Jordan, yeah. and then he shows up and it's like, this is the European Jordan? <laughs> like, he's kind of wimpy at times, and he's gangly, and he shies away from contact, because this was also like... The 90s, this was the ISO era. This was like right, right. you went to the basket as a sign of like manhood. Like if you're settling for yeah, jumpers, yeah. people were like, oh, I guess he's a huge fucking wimp." So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to that, too, because Kukoc was good. He was really good. Um, but it didn't come as like one of the things like you would see now where it was like, you know, Everybody on the team's like, cool, man, come on in. This is going to be awesome. Like Luka Doncic side thing of like, cool, he's our point guard. Let's play him 35 minutes. And no one says a word. Like This was coming in in the 90s where Jordan was like, yeah, but it's my team. And my owners and my GM is saying that like you're the shiny new toy. Well, let me just beat up on you for a little bit and let you understand that like if you're the new dog coming to the yard, this is still my yard. So you better like come in. Settle in and get comfortable because I'm going to do what I want.
0: See, that's great though. That that's what I. That's almost just as much what I'm looking forward to. Like, cause I I think I have a skewed memory of a lot of things, and sure. I just and I Tony Kukoc being I just being a killer. So it, that'll be fine if I watch it back and I'm like, ah, yeah, it was good. Uh, I'm good. looking forward to honestly just myself learning because I don't know everything about this story. And last thing, I the the comedic side of me, I am in a fucked up way. Really looking forward as this goes on every Monday, all of the guys who played JV in high school and their revisionist history of the impact MJ had on them and how they had the MJ mentality and they were just going and posts of themselves like their their headshot in high school and talking about the glory days and how if it wasn't for MJ, I wouldn't have been doing this. It's like, dude, you averaged three points. On the JV, JV team, you sucked, and you see so much of it now, of like all the trainers who are guys who never played college, but if it wasn't for MJ, man, it wouldn't be where I am. It's like, well, where you are yeah, sucks. If it wasn't so for MJ, I wouldn't point. be living
1: in my mom's basement
0: <laughs> making fire content for
1: Instagram. Like, it was, Yeah, man, you've come a long way. I think what's so strange to me and, and annoying, because like, I, I talked about this with a couple of people before, was you see the simplicity of MJ's game, which is so wonderful. It ages so well, even though the analytics of it don't, where yeah, yeah. it's, you know, they showed the hardened thing and then Michael where he's scoring in between. Um, it's just such a different game from an approach standpoint. Um, so everyone's marveling at the efficiencies of Michael's game. He wasn't a combo guy. He wasn't. He was a straight line, put you at a disadvantage, bully you a little bit and then spin or footwork and readjust. But, like, he was, like, a go-at-you guy. If you didn't cut him off, he was going to take two dribbles and score on you the entire game until you figured something out. He didn't overcomplicate it. So there's all these guys that are like, oh, I love the simplicity of Michael's game. You know, everybody pay attention to the details. And then the next day there's a video of them doing, like, 17 dribbles <laughs> and shooting a left-handed step back. And what what I find annoying, like, a way like, still kind of comedic but like what i find strange and it's it's always existed but it gets to like the mountaintop apex mountain of annoyance Mm -hmm. Is like michael jordan is they said this in documentary he's as good as anybody ever has been at anything at his job yeah he is like the best of anything that anyone's done so when some jack off on instagram is like you know, I just take all this inspiration from Michael Jordan and none How in the world do these guys find a way to take Michael's hard work and Michael's accomplishments and what Michael did through sheer like persistence, will, and determination, yeah. and find some way to bizarrely saddle themselves up next to him? I know. And like put themselves in the same sentence, dude. Instagram ain't Michael. Like it's just oh, I don't know. Man. I could I could probably yell about this for like 20 minutes, but at the same time yeah like guys they're missing the point if they're if they're going on there and saying michael used to inspire me this way if he did great because he inspired people in a lot of different ways if he really did that's great if he made you want to play ball cool but let's not go nuts and say like man i was killing dudes in the gym because of michael i was hitting pull-ups my fadeaway was sick and it was like yeah man i don't remember you were even on the team so, like, there is there is those kind of things where it's like, let's not get too
0: carried away with nostalgia here and revisionist stuff. For those not a part of the basketball community, and I'm sure this is the same across the board um, in just about every city you're in, I think everybody has revisionist history and whatever it is they do, but I don't know what it is about basketball, about the guys talking about, I was waking up 5 a.m. at the gym, 5.45, skipping class to lift weights. And it's like, you weren't even on the team. What are you talking? I got about? my girlfriend to go shoot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You didn't have a girlfriend. I think. I think what we should do is because we'll, you know, we'll be back next week to talk about episodes three and four, and we'll we'll always keep it uh, utmost respect for the Bulls and MJ. But seeing when it, not if, but when this goes even more insane, we'll have another episode where we can just shit on and make fun of. All the douchebags who are somehow making this about themselves, which is a huge slap at Michael Jordan and the Bulls. But also, you need to be told you're a douchebag, too. Um, so that's probably a good point to wrap it up. We're at the hour point. That's great. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to episode three and four. I can't wait. And then we'll be back next week to do it again, steve